Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. We are now approaching the end of our series with the nodes of the moon, where Robert has been examining each combination, each axis of the nodes. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about Leo and Aquarius and the fifth house and the 11th. Robert? Well, thank you again, Thomas. Um, And just a reminder for uh, those who need one, with the moon's nodes axis, what you have to remember is their association with the moon and the lunar archetype itself. So namely, the association with security, early family dynamics, roots and ancestors, your own emotional needs and feelings, one's feelings about women and children, starting with your own mother. All right, so this axis at its deepest level shows a person's existential conflict, which is what I call it, because conflict is the only thing that motivates anybody. If something isn't wrong and doesn't need fixing or doesn't need discovering or doesn't need building, you don't do anything. So conflict is at the heart of drama. For example, writers know that without conflict, you have no drama. Uh And this same nodal axis in a person's chart will show their karmic assets and liabilities, if you will, in a simplistic sense, or or traits and situations that they are naturally good at or weak in, which can actually define a life and either make it or break it. So here with Leo and Aquarius, or the 5th and 11th houses, the existential conflict I think lies in reconciling the needs for following your bliss, being true to your own talents and being true to what brings you joy and pleasure and creativity or living to please the groups or society's expectations. And again, with all the nodes axis, the ideal is to consciously find balance between both of these. So in this case, learning to serve society by following your bliss, finding a way to turn the things that you love to do, your natural interests and ambitions, and even a desire for public recognition into a career that somehow benefits society at large. So the North Node in Leo, can appear to be selfish to some people, totally wrapped up in its own pursuits and its own activities. Uh, And they can naturally, these people, be drawn to gatherings and conventions and parties and entertainments, those kinds of things. And they often, these people with the North Northern Leo, have an ability to become popular in their communities or in their society or in their organizations. With the South Node in Leo, They may come across almost as impersonal or distant, sometimes even reluctant to be the center of attention or to to stand out. South Node in Leo may try to form their identity by joining a particular group instead of actually finding themselves and their own quote-unquote bliss first, and then finding groups that support and enhance their natural personal identity. So here's a classic example. 
everybody in my town or circles, they all go to church. Therefore, I must go to church to do business and to fit in with the group, even though I'm not really a believer. Well, here's this existential or this karmic conflict, as you will, which gives our lives definition by motivating us to resolve it. So with this axis, they have to learn to, I think, avoid the trap of worrying what other people think of them and stop trying to keep up with or surpass the Joneses and be true to their own individual path that naturally brings interest and joy and to love and honor their own uniqueness, even though it entails risks. So one of the potential dangers with this axis is honoring our own uniqueness at the expense of society of the group, which can even become pathological depending on aspects to these nodes. So for example, selfishness taken to such extremes becomes criminal. I'm going to get what I want no matter what it takes. And now suddenly you're into a whole ethical dilemma, which has to do with pride, which is inherent in this nodal aspect too, uh, axis too. But when you have an afflicted uh, Leo Aquarius nodal axis or um, fifth, 11th, uh, they can actually become quite heartless and detached and cruel. Um, and ultimately, of course, they will reap the natural end results of that kind of heartlessness. Now, when the North Node is in Aquarius or in the 11th house, the South Node is in Leo or the 5th house. Again, these are people who generally want to stand out in the crowd. They want to be different. And they can progress through natural and, and friendly interactions with a huge variety of unusual people and unusual groups from all spectrums of life. And yet their closest personal relationships may seem full of conflicts that can potentially seem to suck all the promise and hope and freedom out of life. So long-term commitments for the South Node in, in Leo, for example, uh, long-term commitments and responsibilities involved with love and marriage and children can unconsciously feel smothering to the North Node in Aquarius because that position inherently seeks variety and adventure and independence and constant innovations and new encounters. So the North Node in Aquarius can sometimes produce a sense of, of loving everybody in the world, but belonging to nobody. So you get these early marriages, which produce children, followed by a sense of increasing distance, emotionally and or sexually, and then a seemingly sudden divorce, and then off to a new life elsewhere. Rinse and repeat. So there's an old phrase, love with an open hand. And that is meant for this moon's nodes axis. 
everybody that you love is as free as you are and as deserving of respect as you are. Respect them to follow their own bliss as they grow and change. Very frightening to some people because there's always the risk that people will grow and change out of the relationship. But again, with this configuration, you support other people in being who they are instead of trying to make them into what you want them to be and vice versa. And that's one of the big lessons of this this karmic axis. So these types often have very strong, very intense attractions and passions, but their best romantic and partnership opportunities will come through friendships first and then romance. And in fact, if their determination to belong to nobody doesn't ultimately make them loners, then learning that friendship will last sometimes longer than the romance does, that's okay too. So it's an interesting axis um, to follow, but it basically has to do with being true to your own self-worth and to your own interest and your own creativities without making that at the expense of other people. Do you agree? I, I love what you said there. And do you agree with my assessment that I tagged the last episode with saying that there's not as much difference in this axis as, for example, the last one that we did with Cancer and Capricorn. This one is really, as you were saying, at the root of both. You're being true to yourself. It's just who else is involved in that playing out that drama. Yes, and I think the big difference here is that, for example, the Cancer-Capricorn axis has to do with water and earth, which in Jungian psychology and analytical psychology corresponds, water corresponds to the emotional type and earth to the sensing type or the sensational type, meaning physicalization of things, earth signs. Here you're dealing with Aquarius Leo, it's a completely different kind of archetype, fire, which in Jungian psychology is the intuitive type, and air, which in Jungian psychology is the intellectual type or the intellect type. So this is a much more detached or capable of being uh, detached axis than the Cancer Capricorn axis. So uh, have I lost your question? What did you just ask? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, well, I was just saying that this one, because you have these two areas of independence, Aquarius is independent. Leo is independent. It, you're, you're dealing with basically the same kinds of things. It's just a matter of who is on the other side of that independence. I think, yeah, I think that is true. Uh, this one, this axis, look, Leo is, for, for my money, the moon in Leo is the best position you can have the moon in. I know it's not the sign of his exaltation and so on. But the reason is, it, in my experience, the moon in Leo for men or women, especially in women, but in either case, is the most self-fulfilling position the moon can be. And even if you have a really rough life, 
The moon in Leo is one of the most determinedly surviving in, uh, in archetypes in, in all of astrology. It just is, and yes, it can seem to be selfish, but it, it really isn't. It can be a very generous position as well. But this conflict here is between finding and following your bliss or not, essentially finding the thing. I was very lucky to know pretty early in life that I wanted to have a creative kind of life. I wanted to go into the arts and was from very early. I was uh, playing piano and painting and taking all of that. Uh, I was at one point the, the youngest member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. So I was levitating my sister when I was 12 years old. She didn't like it. But I, I, and then as I, by the time I was 13 and we were on vacation, I announced to my family I was going to live in Los Angeles when I grew up, which I did. And I wanted to go out there and be an actor. So that was creative. Then suddenly astrology discovered me. And this just took me over because it fascinated me. Even though I was skeptical, I thought, look at this. It works. It works. And then I became a television writer for 15 years. So all, all three of those were bliss to me. And they still are. So I've all, and I knew the risks, and I think it's probably one of the big reasons I didn't get married and had children, although I lived with somebody else's children for a while. Uh, and I'm glad that I didn't, because I would have resented it. I don't have this axis, but it's the same type of thing about identifying, being true to yourself, and following your bliss, or living for the group. And if you are one of those people that is searching for a group to give you or give your life identity before you have figured out what your bliss is, you could be in trouble because then you're trying to make your bliss conform to the group, that kind of dilemma, which I think is a little different than the Cancer Capricorn axis, which really has to do with security. Yeah, whole different, this, whole different yeah, animal, this, isn't it? This is a risk, is more risk-taking right. polarity. Yeah. In that sense. Does that make sense? It does. And as you were saying that, I'm thinking, wow, well, it's interesting because what you just said about the family and that whole dynamic of the family is exactly what we talked about with Gemini, Sagittarius, also air fire. Yes. It, yes, it's true. And, and especially with Gemini, Sag axis, it's, uh, it, again, if it's afflicted, it can be crazy making, literally crazy making. And, um, full of gaslighting and people not taking responsibility for what they say and do and how they act, starting with the parents as a rule. Uh, and this is a little bit different. These people, uh, <laughs> it's not that they can't have mental problems too. Uh, anybody can, but there's much less self-doubt uh, in this configuration than there is with, say, the Cancer Capricorn axis. You know who you are, and you're going to set out to be That's it. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, interesting. This is great. And very often, this this same axis can make having children a big paramount thing in, in life, too, for these people, which is an absolutely valid and wonderful way to live, you know, is create some children and raise them well. That's the biggest challenge any of us could have. So... No, I appreciate what you're saying, though. Well, and the other thing that's coming together as a theme in this series is obviously understanding these axes in our own life. So we have to look at two pairs. We mentioned that from the beginning. You're going to look at two pairs, where your north node is and where your south node is. So the theme that's coming through here is that we understand this so that we can live into our soul's purpose. 
Exactly. And the other thing, don't forget the house positions. For example, uh, if, if you have in any sign, if you have the North Node in the first house, your own personality and your own looks, and you don't have to be classically beautiful or handsome, but you've got this kind of charisma of person. It, it, if you think of the first house as, say, the front door of the house or the thing that people see, you have a North Node there. You People are going, going to be drawn to you uh, because you have something that they are drawn to. So there's usually a kind of magnetism and personality and force of personality with the North Node. The first house, it makes your personality a prime component of your success in life. Conversely, if you have the South Node there, you have personality faults that are, are surrounded by the sign archetype of that South Node in the first house that you need to work on because those are karmic weaknesses. You may be totally unaware of it. Most of us are unaware of how we come across. But with the South Node in the first house, you need to be very conscious and spend a little time thinking about, okay, I've got the South Node in the first house in this particular sign. It means I'm so-called weak in this area. Karmically, I misused or misunderstood or neglected these sign traits. So I need to develop those in my life because if I don't, their negative side, the negative side of this sign archetype is going to be showing up through my personality and will undermine me if I'm unconscious of it. So that's another way to look at it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, we will be back in the next episode to wrap up this series with Virgo and Pisces. And after we have completed this series, we will have a PDF available. It will summarize this information and can be a reference resource for you to look at as you are reading the nodes of the moon, whether for yourself or for somebody else. And yes, Robert is booking readings, and yes, they are filling up. But contact him through his website, rglasscock for the number four site, S-I-G-H-T dot com. There's also a direct link to his contact page in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your wonderful comments and five-star reviews in Apple. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. <music>